Twice a week, Van Lathan and Rachel Lindsay dissect the biggest topics in Black culture, politics, and sports on their show, Higher Learning. They discuss the most important and timely conversations while also frequently inviting guests on the podcast and occasionally debating each other. Check out Higher Learning on Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. There's no better feeling than a personal win. And the State Farm Personal Price Plan can help you do just that. Talk to a State Farm agent today to learn how you can bundle and save with a personal price plan. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Prices are based on rating plans that vary by state. Coverage options are selected by the customer. Availability, amount of discounts and savings, and eligibility vary by state. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Listeners, welcome. This is Sound Only. I'm Justin Charity. And I'm Mike Peters. We're your Sound Only co-hosts here for the 100th time to record our deepest, time. <laughs> a buck, a century. I mean, it depends on how you of count it, right? It, 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 yeah, the no, relaunch, like, 100th, but if you count the Ava episodes, it's different. A hundred yeah. episodes you know, of the relaunch. If you're so. a completist, yeah, um, like it, it's it's different. Uh, but honestly, that like that podcast is like one long conversation. <laughs> so you know, like maybe it's just kind of like that's that's sound only zero point one through however many episodes that was. Yeah, you thought it was an anime. I don't podcast. know. Get creative with the way that you want to, like, you know, you just, you just, you know, you thought, you thought, and then now we're just talking about everything. Just, we're yeah, just all it, over the place. One of the formative things, too, with this podcast is we, Mike and I talked for a long time about, like, okay, we're not going to do an anime podcast. We want a podcast where we can talk about anime, but we're not, we're not going to do a weekly, you know, we got to watch all the bullshit because then that would drive me crazy, right? So we have this yeah. podcast where we talk about a lot of uh, millennial slash Gen X bullshit, right? I think the synthesis of stuff we talk about, people like when people write into the show, they get it and they get that the unifying theory is not any of the particular things, be it video games, anime, movies, music, it's hating, right? That's the thing that brings us together is the perspective of a, a charitable and generous haters, two of us, right? <laughs> And so this week, charitable, we were thinking, like, generous, even loving haters. You know? Yeah, yeah. I, I, I AKA would say. AKA critics. Critics. <laughs> right? Ratatouille. We out you, okay? And hate, 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 um, hate, 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 um, And this week, we were thinking, like, what we would talk about for the 100th episode? I thought maybe we'd talk about Kate. You like Kate, right? You watched Kate. I still haven't watched it yet. Yeah, I was I was kind of fucking with Kate. I was I was like, you know, I think that it was honestly I think that oh I texted you about it and you said that the only thing that you'd read about it was a pan. Uh 
Yeah, it's like a Kotaku Basically, thing. It's like, oh, it's a little problematic. Yada, yeah, yada. sort of like, like if you take an Eastern-centric view of it and then having like tired, like Tokyo tropes in it, like, you know, power pop music and crazy-ass tuner cars uh, and drifting and all sorts of other things. All of that is in there, but it's a good time. <laughs> so yeah. I encourage you to watch it because, if not only because, like I've been saying since Scott Pilgrim versus the world, Mary Elizabeth Winstead should have Scarlett Johansson's action career. Oh, am I right or wrong? That's a, yeah, am I right I, or I wrong? Feel, I understand. I understand where you're coming from with that take. I understand okay. where you're coming All from. Right. Uh, but we're not talking about that this week. We, we might, we yeah, might could have talked about, about RXK Netflix. We already talked about we it. Might we just talked about it. I mean, it. yeah, we, oh, yeah. <laughs> this is a dirty neck. This is a dirty neck milk meat mill braids ass beat. This uh <laughs> this is a droopy lip crack eye business ass beat. <laughs> What's the you, Jay-Z you joke? Know, like, the okay, Jay-Z like, joke is the best it, one, by the way. I forget what he says. <laughs> like Jay-Z would have passed on this beat or something like that. This there was <laughs> this a dirty city. Jay-Z would have passed on this from guru ass beat. <laughs> Yo, one day we're, we will dedicate. Maybe soon we, we will talk. Ta- we will do. Uh, we we are going to talk about RX nephew at some point in the in the near future. We just have to. Yeah, like it's it's too much of a it's too much of a pet curiosity of mine for us not to engage with it at some point. Yes, and also we will not forget. Listen, we watched the Cowboy Bebop Netflix trailer. <laughs> we watched it. Yeah, we yeah we we seen it. We seen it. We seen it. Is, it. it is we to our it. attention. It has aroused it is, our we... interest. <laughs> it has heightened our yeah. awareness. It it has um it has in it we have in in encountered it in the um in the online ecosystem ecosystem and uh, we will be uh, dissecting. And um, appraising, and uh, I don't know, man. I like I'm actually <laughs> gonna good. I'm gonna stop with the TI yeah, thing. Yeah, but you know what I mean. Like we'll we're gonna we're gonna we will engage with it. We will engage, we'll engage with, with it because we have strong feelings about it, man. Yes. You know, <laughs> but we're not talking about that this week. And last but not not least, Star Wars Visions. We'll talk about it. You'll hear us talking about it soon. This week, even yeah. you'll hear us talk about Star Wars Visions, but not on this episode, because this episode, and you've seen the title if you downloaded the episode, we're talking about a running concern of this podcast, and something I've thought about ever since that. You remember that one early episode we did, Micah, where we were talking about Avatar, and I went on this huge tangent about Black Lagoon. Um. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I do remember that. In Black Lagoon. We were talking about that was an episode where we were mostly talking about Eastern and Western animation styles, but. I remember we mm-hmm. talked a lot about how Black Lagoon, um, this anime series, Black Lagoon from 2000s, driven by a lot of the kind of race comedy <laughs> that you, that they don't make anymore. That's really, that's just really tight and really kind of well, messy. Yeah, it's just... <laughs> like a multiracial it's cast, like, right? It's not like a... Hey, yeah. isn't it funny that you're the race that you are? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> As like a baseline of humor? Yes. <laughs> yes. Um, oh man! But even more so, the Black Lagoon, a movie near and dear to me and Micah, a movie that we invoke and discuss constantly. And I think, um, 
we should have thought we should have had the thought to do this episode by ourselves. But frankly, somebody wrote in of the people who wrote in in response to the last episode, we were like, what should we talk about for the hundredth? Somebody wrote in this morning. <laughs> they were like, y'all should just talk about rush hour two. <laughs> oh yeah, like, they're yeah. just like you answers your own question. question. Yeah, because I floated the yeah. I was just like, we should do a close dissection of of rush hour two, and now, like it happens so many times, we have talked our we've accidentally talked ourselves into it. Yeah, and I will. I, well, can I say something though? Is that the first thing I did? Well, I I watched the movie again. I've I watched rush hour two like forty times. Don't even get me started. But I had to Google like. Chris Tucker, Jeffrey Epstein, just to make sure that we're in the clip. <laughs> you know what I, mean? I don't know what the state yo, was. Yo, the way, the way that I also did that, because I remembered that there was some sort of scandal before his next Netflix, yes. his Netflix special, and I was just like, oh, it was just tax evasion. We're cool. Yeah, it's good. Okay. Because yeah, right. I was like, oh man, wait, can we talk about this? Is he in R. Kelly territory? I don't know. Uh I'm just saying. It's just like, no, I actually just was. He's up to it's regular good old shit. dated humor. Yeah, you know? exactly. Um, listeners might be wondering why, why Rush Hour 2. Both because Rush Hour 2 is an old movie. <laughs> and two, because it's clearly that we haven't talked about Rush Hour 1. I have a, I have a theory, first of all, before we get into this movie. <laughs> so there are three Rush Hour movies, right? There's Rush yeah. Hour, Rush Hour 2, Rush Hour 3. Rush Hour 3 is famously not, it, it's not great. Um, it's not like it's a huge, I mean, it's, I think it's a, commercial flop but i just remember watching it and it, my eyes kind of glazing over it did yeah. rush our the whole formula feels past its prime by the time you get to three um and then the first one right the first one is um <laughs> I, I like the contrast between the first rush hour and the second one the first one so much of the humor of the first one is more about isn't it funny that the black guy and the asian guy are doing these things together it's a lot more cringe. Yeah. It's, it's the kind of movie. It, it, it is aged worse than the second movie. It's so yeah, there, driven. The thing is like the second, the second movie kind of just has, I mean, like, you know, big man and little Asia vibes, uh, but also like the, <laughs> the asides that, you know, like kind of poke fun at, you know, Chris Tucker being black and Jackie Chan being <laughs> being Chinese is just kind of like is yeah they're fewer and far between. They feel more like asides or ad libs. Yeah, it's it's the second. If the first movie is is like what if black jokes plus Asian jokes, the second movie is more like oh Chris Tucker and Jackie Chan have a dynamic. Let's just play. Yeah, they the have like chemistry. The yeah, yeah. Um, so that's why Rush Hour Two. Um. And that's the thing. You know what? It's like, I, I feel like boomers, you know, want you to know that they've all seen Blazing Saddles and that's their version of this, right? And it's like, look, man, I've seen Blazing Saddles. It's cool. I like Blazing Saddles, but I'm not okay. 55 Blazing years Saddles old. Is, I'm not 55 Blazing years Saddles old, Blazing Saddles is funny. It's funny. It's yeah. good. I like, like Blazing Saddles, but it's it's, to me, it's a generational thing that like, I don't... I'm not going to go to my grave being like, don't make comedies like this anymore. It's too PC, blah, blah, blah. It's like, yeah, I mean, Blaze Saddles is cool, <laughs> but my my hill to die on that the kids these days, the Billie Eilish, you know, they, they don't know nothing about what I was <laughs> They don't know about it. They don't make it like they, they made this. 
with yeah. your baggy cargo shorts. Exactly. Which this you appropriated is, from my yeah, culture. You, you appropriated from Cameron culture, but anyway. <laughs> <laughs> from Dipset culture. Uh, just like a Halloween store. Okay. Rush Hour 2. You said close to section. We could, I mean, we could walk through the plot. I mean, of this we movie. could do that. <laughs> I feel like that you is. Set up, you, I, let's maybe you just know. talk more about Chris Tucker and Jackie Chan up front. Because we don't have to actually, we're not like recapping Rush Hour 2. It's more like talking I mean, about the I magic mean, like, of this come movie. on. If you, like, yeah, we're, we're just, we're just going right, to, close to section was, was, you know, I don't know what I was talking about. We're obviously just going to gush about this movie. So, <laughs> Chris Tucker and Jackie Chan. Um, are we talking about their characters or are we talking about the two of them individually? No, we should know what them sort of like as actors first because it's like this, these movies, it's just their dynamic over the years. You'll see Jackie Chan and Chris Tucker to this day together on Instagram and shit. And part of it's because they're ginning up hype for Rush Hour 4 if it ever gets made. It's sort of like the detox, right? Um, and then part of it is that they really do have this weird, enduring friendship that just doesn't make any sense. And you sort of go back and look at the first couple Rush Hour movies. And I think the read is that, you know, obviously, like Chris Tucker, for white people who don't know who listen to this podcast and don't remember the sort of early, early Chris Tucker, Chris, Chris Tucker is a stand-up comedian, right? He blew up as a comedian. And he was one of those people that got sort of, like, kind of after the fact of knowing who he was as, like, a black comic, he ended up in movies. But I think the early knock on him was that he was just unprofessional, right? Like all the all the stories from the original Rush Hour about him showing up to set like six hours late every day. And it, it was really a thing where it was like Jackie Chan, the legend, the icon, like took Chris Tucker under his wing and like kind of taught Chris Tucker how to act, but also how to, how to act, how to behave, right? And so these movies are kind of like a cipher for these two actors at very different points in their career, right? And also to just two yeah. very different kinds of actor, right? Yeah. It's also like kind of like easy to read that bit of meta commentary onto it just because of the way that the movie's set up. Like yeah. the the LAPD, whatever the whoever the alphabet boys are and what whichever movie like are kind of distant or represented by one old white guy in a suit, which could just as easy, just as easily be like a movie executive or like somebody yes. or, or a big or a producer that is just throwing these two cash cows in a room together and being like, look, make it work. Like, so Chris Tucker yeah. has to pick uh, Jackie Chan up from the airport. Like that's how rush hour starts. It's just kind of like, we yeah. got this situation and you got to be the cultural attache to this inspector from China because he's he's really close to the kidnapping case. Yeah, in the first one. Uh Yeah. I don't you know what? It's like the first one is more so one where I remember the overall flavor of the humor and specific bits, specifically the the 10 million dollars you think you kidnapped Chelsea Clinton bit. <laughs> kidnapped Chelsea Clinton. Um and also like that's the thing. I just remember it's like June Tao is the bad guy in that movie, right? Yeah, Tom Wilkinson. Yeah. Okay, Tom Wilkinson. Yes, okay. It's coming back to me. Yes, yes. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, again, like we said, that movie is so much more driven by like, isn't this a neat premise, right? And so you mm -hmm. get to this movie and in this movie, in Rush Hour 2, begins with... Um, I guess we should use their real names, even though the bloopers play off the idea that Chris Tucker does not remember any of the actual characters' names in these movies. Um, yeah. 
Agent Carter, Chris Tucker, on vacation. He's an LAPD cop, right? On vacation in Hong Kong, meeting up with his old partner, Jackie Chan, <laughs> Agent Lee, <laughs> Jackie Chan, right? Inspector Lee. Inspector yeah. Lee, right. Um, but like the whole idea is, you know, the okay, buddy cop dynamic, Chris Tucker, loud mouth, kind of lazy, kind of sloppy. He gets it done ultimately, but he takes the loudest sort of most calamitous route to get to any resolution. Right. Meanwhile, you have uh, Inspector Lee, right? Workaholic, by the book guy, uptight. And so you got Carter on vacation. Meanwhile, Lee is like trying to what is it? He's already investigating a case and he's he's investigating the triad and then the embassy blows up. That's the thing, right? Is that like the story or like the plot or the premise seems very secondary to just, you know, like, hey, look, the guys are back (laughs) like in this movie. Because I mean, like I was watching it again this afternoon before this podcast and I was I was thinking about how like I still don't really understand what the problem is. <laughs> like why why are we doing all the like it's just money laundering, you know? Why are we why are we so upset about the tri- at the triads for that? What is the uh, like is it really it's just not as compelling as a kidnapping like in the first one. Yeah, I guess. and it should, it really is just that Lee drags Carter into it and you know, it starts with him being a workaholic and then it's the explosion at the embassy that makes it a big deal that can justify Carter being involved in it, right? And then he tries to run around pretending right. to be a Secret Service agent, even though the actual Secret Service is also involved in the case, yada, yada, yada. Uh, but they're originally pursuing the guy, the gangster, right? The boss, Ricky Tan. Ricky Tan. Slick ass Ricky Tan with the robe. I've been looking for spot. your ass everywhere, man. Get up, Get up man. man. We we gotta go. Um, in the don't let this robe fool you. It's the only color they had left. <laughs> Yo, Ricky Tan. Like that's the thing. It's like all the um. I think the other thing about the Rush Hour movies, right, is you're doing this Hong Kong is like loud action stuff, right? But all of the performances mm-hmm. that rotate around. Chris Tucker and Jackie Chan. And keep in mind, Jackie Chan himself is already a contrast with Chris Tucker, right? Chris Tucker is just like out of pocket the whole movie. And Jackie Chan is just sort of like... But everyone else has to be kind of like playing it super straight. All the other characters in this movie. Yeah. And Ricky Tan is just the yes. most straight-based like, uh, your partner, Inspector Lee, leave us. <laughs> you know? Uh, yeah, it's just like he's... Out, like all, Everybody is all of the like gangsters, villains whomever in this movie are just so smooth yeah. in comparison. Yeah. Uh, including the crazy lady. Um, all the blades. Oh, Zhang Zee. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She, uh, like, yeah. Um, the There's that scene in the back of the limo where she's, like, smiling and, like, taking out the like the throwing dagger and cutting the apple. Oh, yeah. And then yeah. she throws it in the apple. She's taking a bite of it. And I was just like, that's hot. Anyway. <laughs> um, yeah. Wait, also, so the, the, when you were explaining sort of the basic idea of Rush Hour, you're like, you know, take these two actors, take this premise, just make it work. I think the other thing, though, is about location, right? It's definitely in Rush Hour 2, so much of the vibe is, oh, you can't take Chris Tucker anywhere. You can't take him to Hong Kong. Yeah. He's just in the streets screaming about Mushu 
and sushi. And he's in the karaoke bar singing Lay Don't Home Stop Till You Get It Down. Yeah, there's... The karaoke bar. Oh there's, it is, like, really, like, playing up the contrast of, like, his height against everyone else's, his blackness against everyone else's. Yeah, yeah. Like... I'm two it feet is. taller than anybody in this bar. Yeah, I'm two feet taller than everybody. Who the hell taught you how to rouse the bar? Talking about <laughs> Tres softly. <laughs> Chichao Fungo, right now. Not right now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like we, like it's also like the, it's it's still like it's hilarious the way he does it, but it's like you, f- I guess I don't really feel the twinge of like. Am I supposed to be laughing at this or laughing along with it or something? Yeah. You know, whatever the yeah, thing they, is about yeah. like because it's the, a hard the thing. Way he does. I, I mean, like it's an impossible language. Like the glottal stops are crazy. And the inflections make it make one word something entirely different. Like it is, it would be difficult to learn, and it would be hilarious to watch someone like Chris Tucker try. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But I think that's why the dynamic's so important, right? Because again, it's sort of. These movies should not age well, right? Like the whole joke is yeah, just about yeah. like a black plus Asian equal question mark, question mark, question mark. And I guess it really yeah. is just the sense of like, no, you can kind of feel in real time that Jackie Chan and Chris Tucker really are trying to like meet each other halfway in a lot of ways. And that feels like it just is in, that infuses through to the rest of the movie itself. And so, yeah, the thing yeah, where I he's, mean, like, just yelling English and no one understands him, like, it actually feels good-natured as opposed to just, you know, what it could yeah, feel like. Yeah, because it's, like, the because I mean, it's it's honestly, like, the, uh, like, the epigraph is, like, actually in the bloopers of the movies. Like, when they're sitting yeah. next to each other on the plane, where he's just trying to say, like, they have to do like 70 takes. Yeah, to get to say things like a filter fish. And also he uh oh wait, no, it was the bloopers of the first movie where he's just kind of like uh what was he trying to say? Um was he trying to say she she knee or something? Or I can't even remember what it was, but it took him so many tries to get it and Jackie Chan. Everybody on set's laughing, but he looks like annoyed. And he's just saying, like, it's three words. Three words in Chinese. I'm speaking all this English. And you can't say three words. Lord. Um, oh, man. Okay. So I think we got the basic setup in Rush Hour 2, which is Chris Tucker on vacation. Jay Chin, low-key working a case, drags Chris Tucker into it. U.S. Embassy in Hong Kong blows up. We'll keep going after we take a quick break. <sighs> Spring is a time of renewal, so why not refresh your home with a little help from Blinds.com? Blinds.com invented a better way to shop for custom window treatments. There's no pushy salespeople in your home or inflated showroom prices. Free samples, free shipping, and our 100% satisfaction guarantee can put the spring back into your step and into your home, too. Shop Blinds.com now and save up to 45%. Up to 45% off at Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. 
Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA, member FDSE. Are you looking for a view of the world that's a bit different? Hi, I'm Jason Palmer, a host of The Weekend Intelligence, a podcast from The Economist. Join us to hear the stories that matter most to our correspondents and editors. Every Saturday, we introduce you to people and ideas that take you outside the ordinary and expand your horizons one episode at a time. Join us and see the world from a new perspective. To listen free until May 31st, search Spotify for The Weekend Intelligence. So early on in this this movie, right, uh, you have the explosion at the U.S. Embassy. You got some shady shit going on. It's not his money laundering, but there's some U.S. Chinese shenanigans. You got Stephen Rain, real estate mogul. You know, he's at this party on Ricky Tan's yacht, right? You have, uh, I think, before the party on the yacht, though. Is, is it before the party on the yacht that Homegirl brings the bomb to the police headquarters? Yes, it is before the party on the yacht. Yes. Um, and this sort of sets in motion the main sort of the middle act thing where you have Lee and Carter separated, right? You think Lee basically thinks Carter has died in this explosion, this huge explosion at the police HQ. Meanwhile, Carter is off on a yacht. He ends up gambling later. Again, he's on vacation. And already there you have one of the most touching scenes in rush hour two that you texted me about yeah yeah it's so sad because i mean lee um you know comes to soot on his face fire alarms going off papers flying everywhere debris all over the place and he's just like oh my god carter was in there changing like and like you see like like the, the sort of like realization wash over his face and and then like there's a scene where he's driving around alone afterwards and I'll be missing you yes. my puff daddy comes on yes. the radio and it's so sad <laughs> like to watch him like kind of like halfway bob his head to the song like kind of remembering how they were like doing it when they were on a stakeout yeah. in the first yes. movie Oh man! Uh, what a bummer! Yes, and it's but it's, it's meanwhile you have Chris Tucker's running around. He gets flagged down by the person selling suits. He buys he buys this this Croc skin. What is it? A Croc this, skin suit? No, 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 no. This is you. You mix of the suits up. Which so. suit does he? Okay. After after uh like because he changes um after they get dropped off on the on the highway butt naked they go to Lee's office he changes into some of Lee's clothes which are too short then he walks by the suit place when he's trying to find the heaven on earth massage parlor that's right to get his wallet back right okay to get his wallet back and the guy sells him one of those like you know oh cheap suits cheap suits 39 whatever and it's like that the the, the shitty tinsel like yeah yeah Kung Fu Gi with like, you know, reflective gold shit. That's on right. It. That's right. Okay. Bet. Yeah. Bet. Wait, now I'm getting the order of the movie jumbled up because it's like that happens. When does the spa happen? God damn it. When does the spa happen? The spa, the spa was 
The spa, the spa was before right. they got dropped off on the highway, but naked. Right, because that's the second Ricky Tan. And then, then it's the Ricky Tan scene at the yacht. And that's when we supposedly see Ricky Tan get shot by old girl right. on the boat. Right. Because right. before he go, you right. know, we're right. starting right. to learn right. that Ricky Tan has this connection to Lee's father. And, you know, he has this heart-to-heart with Lee. And he's like, look, yeah, I'm a gangster. Yeah, the bombing off at the embassy. I'm not going to lie. I'm kind of wrapped up in a lot. I'm in it over my head. You got to get me out of Hong Kong. And then Homegirl storms. I forget how to say the directions on a boat, okay? Listen, I haven't been in the Chesapeake in a minute. But basically, storms out, shoots Ricky Tan, and chaos ensues, right? And then where are we after that? It's like Ricky Tan is quote unquote dead. And that's when they end up back in Los Angeles. Yeah, that's when right, that's when Carter's like, all right, you yeah. made me work this case. We're going to Los Angeles. We're going to chase down. Cause that at that point he met Stephen Reigns, the real yeah, estate. Yeah, he's dude just kind of like, let's follow the money. Yeah, oh, yeah. follow the rich um, white man's money is his rule of the case. Yeah, follow the rich white man's money. So they fly to Los Angeles. Um Yeah, so they fly to Los Angeles. Looking for some counterfeit bills. Um, and they turn up at a Chinese spot on Crenshaw. Mm. The greatest. Which also Don doubles Schiedel. as a gambling den. And who should be there but Don, the scene stealer Cheadle? And this connects to something recent. You saw the clip, right, of Don Cheadle folding up Kevin Hart, right, on his little interview show. Please tell me no, you saw that. No, I didn't. I didn't. Oh. I didn't see it. I didn't see it. It's like I the, didn't see it's it. It's Kevin Hart's interview show, and he's talking to Don Cheadle, and he's he makes some comment about. It's like Don Cheadle is sort of speaking this very prideful way about his career, and he he's how long he's been in the game. And he says something about his age, and Kevin Hart says, "Damn!" And then Don Cheadle <laughs> just gives him the worst look you ever seen, brother. And it's just the way he reacts <laughs> to it. And then Kevin Hart immediately is like. I ain't mean like that. I just, I just meant, and then Don <laughs> Cheadle was just like, that's not how you said it, Kevin. <laughs> Stefan, you want to get in here That is the th- fact check? Yo, no, I, this, am this I describing be, yo, this? Listen. This is so funny, Michael, you have to watch this clip. Producer you have Stephon to watch Anderson. this clip. Yes. So like, yeah, that, yeah it's, it's like Maybe very viral it. on Twitter. Like there's a whole video, but he's like, yeah, you know, I'm like 60. I'm gracefully Asian. Chris, Kevin Hart's like, damn. And like they like look at each other for like two seconds in silence. He was like, "What did you mean by that?" He was like, "I'm just saying, damn." <laughs> <laughs> he doesn't let it slide at all. He said, "What did you mean by that?" You didn't say it like that. <laughs> yes. I love that he doesn't let it slide. And, it, it, oh, and, and the outfit he's wearing. Yes, the outfit he's wearing is, is hilarious, me, bro. Man. He comes in looking like a Buddhist. Do you think he's gonna be about peace? And he just nah, doesn't nah, let it slide. He's, he's, he's the greatest. He doesn't man. let that, it slide. That, that, that video is hilarious. Like I'm, you can watch I'm it on loop for like five minutes straight and just laugh every time. The, the reaction from both of them is gold. We keep we're keeping this all in. Micah is this. for the first time watching the video of Don. <laughs> But at the same time, like I said, and me, you know, I'm 56 years old. Damn. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Cause I, it was a sorry, thought. No, no, seriously, it was Dude, a thought. It was I'm a not, thought, and I blurted it out. I'm I did fine. not mean it that I'm not, way. I'm fine. Okay, but just understand, I didn't mean it the way it came Let's, out. We'll take a poll on how you meant it with I'm, people here later after the show's over. But I can sit up here and honestly say, buddy, that yeah, that was from yeah, a place we, of love. Got it. 
And we can play it back right now. <laughs> so two different dads. <laughs> Yo, he pressed this nigga's line. On <laughs> but I say that. On his own. <laughs> I say that because of all the great Dodgino performances, the one the most in touch with that moment with Kevin Hart, re- that recent moment with Kevin Hart, is Don Cheadle's <laughs> performance in Rush Hour 2 uh, as, a, as a black man who owns a Chinese restaurant on Crenshaw. And what is it? He has like, his back, it's basically gambling in the back. You know? They bring, yeah, yeah, yeah. He's, they, they got people shaking dice in there. It's bad when you can smoke um, inside. This is very cloudy. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um... And it turns out that somebody a week before Lee and Carter showed up had paid off their fifty thousand gambling debt in some with some funny money. Yeah, he was like, um, I was gonna fuck. Up. I I saw this money. I was like, Nah, this ain't legit. I'm gonna go rough him up. And he's like, It checks out. This money is legit. And Carter takes one of the bills. He set he this is what he learned in the beginning, I think, maybe from the Secret Service agent. I can't remember, but he sets it on fire with the light. No, it is when he was like this is he they learned it from the Secret Service agent what they were. We haven't talked enough on, about the Secret actually, Service agent, by the way. We haven't talked enough about the Secret Okay, before we talk any more about Don Cheeto, we gotta talk about how weird and uncomfortable the scene is when they're spying on her getting undressed in the hotel room is. Brett Ratner directed this movie. He directed these movies. Yeah. Maybe, I, you know, I don't know. Maybe explain something. I mean, you know. Part of it, it was, part of it, it's, it's, it's creepy in any sense, right? A lot of the scenes, it's just a lot of weird flirtation. Part of it is, it was a different time. But then part of it is, Directed by Brett Ratner. That's I. I don't know. Viewer interpretation. <laughs> yeah, equal. Like yes, equal. I would say yeah. Parts there. Oh. Um, but yeah, the Secret Service yeah. agent is sort of is the Cringy. double agent. Yes, right? the double agent who is also every woman that with... appears in this movie. Chris Tucker has like a crush on, right? And they sort of Lee and Carter argue over the Secret Service agent. And then Carter is uniquely obsessed with the crazy triad lady, but we'll get back to her later. Honestly, like Chris Tucker at this at this point was just like a professional cartoon wolf. You remember? Yeah, in the, yeah. In the yeah, in, in the in the in the you rock my world video when he was like, uh, he was like in that you know cabaret with like Michael Jackson. Yep. Yeah, and they were both after the same girl, or whatever. And he was the getaway driver. Girl, get up in this car. This trouble you done caused. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. Oh man. But the secret service agent. It's like the whole her whole deal is you don't know. It's like she's t- she's too effective at being undercover. So you're like, is she kind of selling out the U.S.? Like, is she you know trying to get Carter and Lee off her back? Yada yada yada. Back to Don Cheadle in Los Angeles. They have a little slap fight in the back. Uh, and then, you know, Lee is like, wait a minute, where you learn these moves from? And we haven't even talked about how Don Cheadle is dressed. Uh, Don Cheadle is dressed oh. like Eddie Griffin. He's, he, dressed, he's dressed like an Eddie, Eddie Griffin character. He's dressed like Chao Zhu from Dragon Ball Z is how he's dressed. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. <laughs> 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 yeah. 
And then, what's the? I forget the. Oh, I forget man. even the point of Don. It, first of all, he's doing a total like Alec Baldwin, right? He shows up for a solid three minutes of the movie. It is one of the best parts of the movie. I forget what that lead even is about, right? Oh, it leads him to the. That's what leads him to the casino, right? Right, right. That's no, the reason they get the kidnapped. Dragon. No, right. it's not that because they get kidnapped. Oh no, that's how they end up at the uh, casino. Like, but it leads them to something else. Huh. Um. Oh no, 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 no. Okay, so that is how they end up at the casino because they follow the bills and they find Ernie Reyes Jr. working behind a desk at a bank building. Yeah, that's right. Who then runs the out the back, right, and meets up with Zhang Z. <laughs> Right, and then they get right. jumped again, and then they end up in the back, tied up in the back of a trunk, with a bunch of terracotta soldiers filled with money. Lee, all these statues full of money. <laughs> Which again, and again, to the the logic of the movie, why they take them to Las Vegas, it doesn't make any sense. Why they transport them from Los Angeles to Las Vegas makes no sense, other than. We need a Las Vegas stretch of the movie where Chris Tucker is wilding, wilding in a casino over five hundred dollar chips, right? Because the the whole idea is like like, Jackie Chan knows what he's doing. Yeah, and Chris Tucker just needs to draw attention to himself to keep the security guards on the floor, which means that Chris Tucker just needs to be himself. (laughs) Yeah, and Um, he gives like the whole speech about. Why you give me $500 chips and everybody else got $1,000 chips? And my ancestors were, were for free 400 years. <laughs> so you give me $500 chips? <laughs> and he has the altercation How with the guys. Like, are, you, are you racist? No, I'm these... not a racist. He's just kind of like, you know, so, I have a so, dream. so why y'all only have white performers yeah. before me? He's just like, Lionel Rich is performing. He's just like, Lionel Rich ain't been black since the Commodores, man. Glass Night the Pips? They can get back together. No, he says, uh, I, I can, t- you know, can get back oh. together. Which is also a bad joke to be making. Oh. Again, this movie was directed by Brett Ratner. <laughs> well, are we just going to dump everything on Brett Ratner that's bad in this movie? No. Also, also I like that bit. I'm Stucker. sorry. I like the I can see the, the Gladys Day bit. Uh, Cancel me. Yeah, call, it was, also, it was a funny the bit. Hotline. Follow me on Instagram if you want to fight about it. hate <laughs> Uh, so what is it? It's like it's Lee sneaks into the back of the casino, right? And then meanwhile, there's this whole saga where we learn that Ricky Tan actually is still alive. He faked his death. We got the real estate mogul Stephen Rains is fucking around in the back at the grand. This is at the grand opening of the casino, by the way, the Red Dragon, right? And for whatever reason, mm-hmm. it's like the grand opening of the casino. It, you know, Stephen Rains is also there to steal his plates back because he's made this deal with Ricky Tan. And what is it? It's like the Shah of Iran, like the United States in the 1970s gave the Shah of Iran <laughs> these, these yeah, plates. Yeah, he gave the Shah of Iran some con- gold plates. Right, to counter yeah, like the, right, I, the mint. Yeah. Which, I mean, you know, whatever. We need a MacGuffin, you know? So that's, that's what the plates are. And it gives... Uh, Jackie Chan a reason to do some more acrobatics on top of rolling carts. Um, yeah, it's the Metal Gear Solid stretch of the movie where he's just like slipping through yeah. shit, folding around corners, you know. Yeah, yeah. Um, which then leads us to the massive confrontation in massive confront- 
confrontation and a series of confrontations to round out the movie, which happens in the boardroom between Jackie Chan and Ricky Tan, who, surprise, is alive. And, uh, you know, the author of all of his pain. Yeah. Blofeld. Yes. Yeah. And he's doing the thing, right? He's doing the thing. He's doing that Ra's al Ghul bullshit where he's like, your father was weak. Well, you finally do all that is necessary. Let's just blend these characters. Let's blend these movies. Batman Begins, Rush Hour 2, same movie. Uh, he's doing the thing, though. He's, like, poking at the wound. You know, you start to understand Ricky Tan is, like, why Jackie Chan's father is dead, right? Um, you know, it's very moody and conflicted. And, and also, Chris Tucker is of no help at all at this point in the movie. Because at this point, he already made the distraction. He's just at the craps table, like, raking up money at this point. And I forget what happens that leads all of this to spill over Maybe somebody gets like thrown out a window at some point in in like Yeah, Jackie Jackie Jake gets thrown out of the window. Lee gets thrown out of the window with a bomb in his, his mouth. His name is Lee, goddammit. Um, his name is Lee, goddammit. <laughs> Lee gets thrown out of window <laughs> with uh with the Ying Tao grenade in his mouth. Uh, oh yeah, Homegirl puts like a, this... it's like a cherry bomb, basically, but in his mouth and like yeah. more powerful. Yeah. Um and he's like got both of his hands taped and he's rummaging around for the detonator commotion. So Chris Tucker then takes his chips, which he's on the way to cash out and smacks some security guards across the face with them and joins the brawl. Yes. And then that's when he gets his one-on-one showdown with the crazy, the crazy lady with the blades. Right. And at first she has like her little knife, but then she also, it's like all the statues that had the money, they also have these like swords and spears. And so it's this whole action set piece where she's fighting Chris Tucker. Chris Tucker is just playing defense the whole time. He's wearing his, at this point, he has definitely the brown Crocs. The Crocs skin suit, yeah. And he, and he happens to have, what is it, like $20,000 cash in his left breast pocket, uh, which saves him at the end of the fight. When he gets stabbed in the chest before homegirl trips and a statue falls on her and that statue's holding an axe. So hits her in the heart. Only thing saving Chris Tucker is the money. And what is, is that the line of like, we had something special. We could have been good together, but she wasn't crazy ass bitch. Um, yes. Yeah. Yes. Uh, and then what happens after that? I, I this is when the movie is kind of out of control. It's like that's when yeah, that's when Rick know, like, confronts several you. battles happening on several set pieces. But no, but it's the Ricky Tay. Remember, it's, it's like, like that's Jackie when Chan, the white dude, yeah, the Jackie white Chan dude thinks he's taking the plates. No, not Jackie yeah. Chan. I'm talking about Stephen Rains, and it, it's like the double cross, and then the triple cross, and then Stephen Rains gets stabbed by Ricky Tan. Yeah, 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 yeah. But then. Lee shows up, has a gun on Ricky Tan. You know, Ricky Tan's doing the Rachel Ghoul thing of like, your father was weak again. And, and mm-hmm. you know, at this point, Carter has showed up. He's just kind of like, Lee, man, don't do it. You don't, you don't have to, you don't have to solve things this way. You can, we can, we can obtain a peaceful resolution if we just talk things out. And then he says the thing about his dad. The car's just like, oh, yes, you can, Lee. Shoot his Shut ass. Up. Shoot him. Oh, <laughs> uh, and then I forget how, how is it that he gets thrown out the window at the end? 
he and he falls like the entire the entire length of the or height of the building. So, I, some somehow no, it's an accident. Lee is how Lee gun. Gun. Yeah, yeah. Lee somehow Lee loses the gun and he ends up kicking him out of the window instead. With Ricky, I think Ricky Tank goes for the gun or something, and then he kicks him out yeah. of the window. Dang, yes. he ain't gonna be a rush hour three. Yes, and then the like code into that is hump the the crazy girl that had the axe through her chest comes back in the room like a zombie holding a bomb. And so, yeah, Lee and Carter have to jump out the window. They do the zip line down the street. They almost get hit by a truck. It's very funny. You got the end of the movie. What has been resolved? I don't even know, right? All I know, the only sort of like coherent thing is the bomb plot, is the, the U.S. embassy got blown up. Everything around that, I don't really know what they solved. They solved some minor money laundering gang shit in Hong Kong. Uh, congratulations. And now and you get a free, you get a trip to Madison Square Garden, Jackie Chang. Asian Lee, Inspector Lee, congratulations. Yeah. And I mean, like, technically they all, yeah, they got the bomb maker. Oh, he gets you know, a kiss. That's right. Because the, the, secret, the secret service oh, agent has to right. bail him out. Yep. Yeah. Yep. And he, mm-hmm. it's what that's definitely one of those like nineties, two thousands things in a movie where the somebody's the gotta get a kiss. Agent, yeah. Yeah. And it's like it doesn't make sense why. Nothing about the arc of those. Yeah, because it's like there's no like nothing was leading up to that. Nothing. nothing. There's no, nothing. There's no less than nothing. But somebody's gotta get a kiss. And, and it has to be Jackie as a way of some sort of undermining all of Chris Chris Tucker's wolf-like behavior as you put it in the movie i don't know man it's rush hour like what do i I, that's the thing there's something about this movie because like even the actual rush hour franchise could not capture the magic of this like the first movie again i think the first movie the humor and balance of it is just way different and then the third movie i've seen the third movie a couple times i've mostly like blacked it out it's not bad in the way that um there's some kinds of like you know, sequels that push the limits, like the later Die Hard movies, where you're like, "Oh, this is bad." I just remember Rush Hour. It's 3. just bad, like the third page of like the comedy tab on an airline. Bad. Yeah, yeah. Like it's just kind of like it's there. Yeah, you know, it's cool. You can watch it if it's on, but it's not like you're gonna go seek it out. All I remember is the very beginning, isn't it? Like Prince, they're singing Prince in the car in traffic. And then everything else after. Yeah, that. and they have like the guy. They have the driver that's just like you know. Uh, I don't like the only thing that I really remember about that movie. Like the the part that I think was really funny was the cab driver, the cab driver who in the beginning is just kind of like I don't like drive his kind. Chris Tucker's mm-hmm. just like my kind. <laughs> it's just like Americans. <laughs> He's just like always oh, the 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 most arrogant people on earth. The dream team is dead. Holly Berry. And then like he pulls a gun on him. <laughs> like <laughs> and then all of a sudden he becomes like the most ride or die, like the third partner or whatever. And he's just kind of like, I've never done anything like this in my life. I wanna be I wanna drive you guys forever free of charge. Let me kill someone tonight. <laughs> what what is it though, for real, about this particular what is it about Rush Hour 2? I, I, I honestly don't know. I can think of a lot of formative black comedies for me, right? Honestly, I think you already nailed it. It's like, 
the fact that like this is the the uh, like the nascent franchise hitting its stride movie like all right we did this once and it sort of worked let's do it again because we know that we have these two people and like let's not get in the way of that too much and it works the third one is like going back to the well because it's just like this works eight years ago maybe it can work again and it doesn't yeah you know, not the same anyway you're explaining the effectiveness in general i more so mean why did, I, I i've never figured out why even though i know this with certainty why does rush hour two feel so specifically important to our podcast <laughs> i don't know what it is or even to our relationship i don't actually know what it is why is this the movie i think you and i think about more than we think about anything else Including Evangelion, which we literally did an entire podcast series I, about. Honestly, uh, I think that we just—I like, feel like this is this is just one of like several movies in, you know, are. I mean, because it's like this, and it's life, and it's like yeah, you're right. Life uh, is the yeah, life. Okay, one day we will talk about life. Um. That's the other thing. You know what it is? I think part of it is about our listenership. Because uh, I know people who've never seen any of the Rush Hour movies. My girlfriend hasn't seen Rush Hour, right? Like, I know people who have not seen any of the Rush Hour movies. And, and yeah, I, it's like, I know that after talking about this, we will get emails from people and they will, they, will, they will all be people who listen to this podcast and know every single frame of the blooper reel they know the whole script of this movie like the back of their hands. I feel like that's our... Li our listener is the kind of person that knows where we're coming from, right? When we do this episode, we do like a whole episode for no reason, celebrating no particular anniversary <laughs> about Rush Hour 2. <laughs> <laughs> our own, our own well, We haven't anniversary. talked about Rush Hour 1. <laughs> yeah. 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 It's like, it's... it's Like, if you know, you know. I know you, fe I know you feel us. I, I know, know you, you feel, feel us. me, though. Yeah. And if by chance you I listen you to this podcast, just in general, you listen to sound only, and, and yet, and also you listened to this episode, and you legit are just like, no, I never, I never watched Rush Hour 2. I never watched Rush Hour 1. Skip one. Don't watch it. Just go watch Rush Hour 2. It's just, just watch, just it's watch Rush Hour 2. And don't, even, it, don't bother with 3 either. They're all on HBO Max. You know? Yeah. And it's, it's something about, again, it's like, it's, like the eclectic, it's like the eclecticism of the humor, right? Because it's you're doing a Hong Kong movie, but also you're doing it with a deaf comedy jam comedian. You know what I mean? Yeah. That's the thing. That's yes. kind of what the range of this podcast is. This is the podcast <laughs> if you want to talk about Jackie Chan, but also Chris Tucker, right? That's it. That's 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 it. I don't know. Yeah. You know Chris and Jackie come on sound only, is what I'm saying. It's me, baby. Yeah. Yeah. Chris and Jackie come on sound only. Um, uh, Jackie kind of wild. I was in Hong Kong years ago. He's kind of like a, he's kind of a persona non grata sometimes in Hong Kong because he's from there. And he, he sometimes says like crazy wild shit on behalf of like the Chinese government and his, his, his dicey <laughs> situation. Uh, <laughs> it's just and, like somebody that's that charming, you know, you gotta, it's, gotta watch him. <laughs> <laughs> he's uh, like it's just like he's too it, like he seems too pure you know 
Yeah, but he's crazy. If you sort of dig into Jay Chen, he's a little crazy. He could be a little crazy. A little um, crazy. But even other, yeah, it's like the other stuff. It's Beverly Hills Cop, right? I'm trying to think of the other stuff that feels like it's in this lane, but none of it is quite. Again, it's it's there's something that feels very distinctly significant to the millennial moment in Rush Hour Two. It's also that soundtrack. Isn't that the soundtrack that has area codes on it? It has area codes on it. It has. Uh... Ben Zeno's on that soundtrack, Shoot. if I remember. There's a lot of stuff going on in the Rush Hour 2 soundtrack. There's a lot of stuff on that, on that shit. Like, it's, yeah. Um, I don't know. What else? I almost feel like... No, not Romeo Must Die. No, Lethal no, Weapon? that's too far feet. Yeah, oh, that's it. Lethal Weapon. Because that's, you know what it is? Lethal Except Weapon. The Jackie, it's the Jackie-Chris dynamic is kind of like the Danny Mel Gibson dynamic, but easier to talk about because it doesn't involve, Mel, you know, modern Mel Gibson, right? Because uh, exactly. you see that one clip of that, like, award ceremony where it's just Danny Glover and Mel Gibson riffing for 20 minutes and they both look old as <laughs> shit. But ain't nobody, I, I, you know, Mel Gibson, hella problematic. I don't know. I'm not even trying to get it. it also, I don't have this, I don't have the fondness for Lethal Weapon in the same way as I do for Rush Hour. Or Rush Hour 2, specifically. Um, yeah. In fact, the only one I remember watching like, in a theater was was Lethal Weapon 4, which is the one with Chris Rock yes, in it. Yes, Lethal Weapon 4 with Jet Li. Maybe, Wait, yeah. Was it? I, I thought that was one with Jet Li. Yeah. What's the one with Chris Rock? Well, Chris, it's got a lot of people in it. I just remember Chris Rock is in the one I watched in the theater, and I didn't like it that much. I remember that I saw the one with Jet Li where he dodges a bullet in real time. Damn. You remember, you remember what I'm saying? Not bullet like, this time? Is like, but no, in real like, time? N- no, like in real time. Like it was like literally he was going hand to hand with somebody. Yeah. It was in four. It was in four because it was like he was going hand to hand with somebody and Mel gives him like Danny walk, like walks up on him tries to shoot him from behind and like in the middle of it he just jerks his head back and dodges the bullet. Yeah. Which I was just like that's crazy. That's crazy. <laughs> And then I guess Die Hard is kind of in that lane, like the later Die Hards, Die Hard of the Vengeance, you know. I don't know. Rush Hour 2 is special. Please email us about it. Please email us your thoughts about racial comedy. Because again, it's like, it's, it's a lost art, man. <laughs> it's a lost <laughs> art. Like, it's definitely, it, it is the rare thing where it's sort of, I feel like people ask that kind of question of like, could you make this movie in 2021? I actually think you could make Rush Hour 2. Because again, not, the humor of it is so well balanced. I think the more the most sort of uh, stuff is not the race stuff in Rush Hour Two. It's not the racial humor. It's the the creepiness about Homegirl, the Secret Service agent. That, yeah, the lecherous. Yeah, the lecherousness. <laughs> that that's the most sort of mm, back to the drawing board part of the movie. Um, but by all means, I mean we we represent the black part of this equation. Uh. By all means, if if people we, Asian we are, we are all, black actors, yeah, we are black yeah. actor, actors. We are black a- actors. We actors. Act. Um, we act. Yeah, I'm curious what, what people from an Asian background might think about this movie. Asian Americans, write into the show, please. Um, I'm Justin Charity, and I'm Micah Peters. We've been doing this for 100 episodes, and we'll see you for our 101st episode next week. Shouts out. To our producer, Stefan Anderson. See y'all next week. <laughs>